0: Welcome back to the Brooklyn Poets Cast for December 11th, 2023. Our final yawp of the year featuring poet Jessica Greenbaum leading our workshop and kicking off the open mic. I am your host, once again, Jason Koo. Our December yawp was emceed by the brilliant Darius Phelps as I was home taking care of my <laughs> newborn. Once again... If you've never been to a yacht before and want to find out more and sign up for the open mic, go to brooklynpoets.org. This month's open mic lineup featured Constantina, Ava Kohler, Andy C., Hunter Hodkinson, I. Buenaventura, Michael Cohen, Jim Stewart, Alexis Dibbs, Elise Morris, Amanda Quaid, N.C. Anthony Gagliardi, Amy Chen, Caitlin Gilmett, Jennifer Rumberger, Arthur Russell, Elizabeth Moylan, Mason Eve, and last but not least, Jasmine Purick. All right, I'm excited to get to the open mic. The sooner I get to it, as I edit this, the sooner I finish the podcast and can enjoy my New Year's Eve weekend, as I'm sure you all are about to do as well. I'm going to stop talking. The Brooklyn Poets' Yop Open Mic for December in
1: All right, I'm going to go ahead and get started, if you don't mind. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our monthly Brooklyn Poets shop. Today is Monday, December 11th. I'm your host and MC, Darius Phelps, one of the assistant managers here at Brooklyn Poets. So we're going to go ahead and get started, but before we get started, I'm going to go ahead and go through my usual announcement uh, after they come to the door. All right. So, just a heads up, all open mic readers you have, you can read one poem. Uh, that ends up being 3 minutes max. So, just for those of you that are new, and just go over our rules as usual. Every month, the audience votes on poem of the month by choosing one poem. Please wait until the end of the open mic to vote by texting us the poet's name at 718 374 1953, and I will also go over this at the end of the night as well. All right. You will vote once and only once. Um, and please don't have your friends, your homies, the homeless guy on the street, don't ask them to vote. All right. One vote per person. Starting tonight, we start over again for uh, collecting the 12 winners of the Poem of the Month over the course of the year. And they will face off next December for a Poem of the Year contest. Um, and that poet who wins Poem of the Year will get selected to come to our fifth annual gala. And as a heads up, every month we record The Open Mic as a podcast that we publish known as The Opcast. If you as a reader do not want to be in the recording, then you need to let me know after Open Mic is over, and we can edit you off the recording, all right? So before we kick off our Open Mic portion, I'm going to reintroduce the phenomenal Jessica Greenbaum, (laughs) who's going to kick us off (laughs) with reading some of her own poetry. So let's give it up for Jessica.
2: Let's give it up for the staff of Brooklyn Poets who makes this a home. Thank you to everybody. Well, you guys set a high bar. I'm just gonna read a couple poems. Um, this one is the most hopeful. It's called If You Think It's Raining Faintly Every Night. If you think it's raining faintly every night because you hear a fizzing through the wall behind your pillow It's quiet in the morning. If you think it is raining every night, check for carpenter ants. You will call the exterminator and he'll ask, do you think it's raining every night? And just like that, you'll realize you are not alone in this world. Um, This poem mentions uh, the book about the boat Endurance, the Endurance, um, which you guys probably know was part of Shackleton's Antarctic exploration. <clears throat> it's called Toward the End of My Mother's Life, which I pictured as her nearing the edge of a large open plain, uncontained wind spun at her hair even as I brushed it. Speaking to her was like calling with a hand cupped beside my mouth because she was slightly estranged from language and sat wild-eyed in the swirl of any conversation. I understood this from where my own daughters stood, so buddy-buddy with the current world, much needed explaining to the one who used to explain. Maybe aging can be measured in units of explanation, how much you have left. And I still had small bills, you know, information about tasks of daily administration, but no longer how the hummingbird tamps spider webs to make a nest or an octopus turns any color in the ocean. I even remember with joy my youngest Home with a Fever, how we read a picture book about the endurance to cool her off, and as she recovered, how she found to her delight she could stack one large number on top of another to add up perfectly below a line she drew. That was life, and as my mother nears the rim of hers and the wind has stripped away the thin sheaf of her living anger, Her competition with happiness itself. Now her bare, bowed shoulders of kindness frighten me, pain me, she who has loved me so dearly without my knowing. And how to explain what adds up and endures in this life? This is called Ode to a Colander. I'm sure you're tired of being asked if you are related to the Chinese checkerboard, also punched with six-pointed stars. And I was gonna say, but how can you blame us with so few other items with your design, aside from the night sky? Yet now at sunrise, perhaps, That lace pattern of oak leaves, allowing for the orange rays to come through, resembles you as well. And speaking of lace, maybe Rembrandt's signature collars are colander-like, since he painted them not by drawing white lines on black, but by filling white in with black, leaving only the lace, as you leave only the berries or macaroni and how you hold a hat full of potatoes as easily, a sort of allow me when we need to rinse things off. And now looking at the hummingbird feeder whose red plastic flower blossoms hold yellow mesh-like disks in their center for the beak to peek through to the nectar, and that is like you as well. And now I see the large, squared, laminating netting around the deck of this raised house so that children don't fall through, and I begin to wonder, what isn't you? And if, in fact, you are holding us all up, a globe, and atlas combined, until we fall through time too fine for your powers. end with this little poem <coughs> called Each Other Moment. We turned location back on. We were resetting our passwords. We were scanning the QR code to order an iced matcha latte. We were on hold. We were saying representative into the phone. We were showing our Excelsior pass and putting in our contact information for timed tickets to the gardens. We were signing up for a streaming service and decrying our Zoom appearance. We were skimming, not reading. We were trawling and scrolling. We were calculating the millennia before reefs could revive and species come back in colors we haven't imagined. We were guilty and each other moment also innocent. We were meditating so that the unforgiving might give a little. We were trying to find the contact information for the company. We were wondering where to recycle foam rubber. We were listening to a podcast and downloading a playlist. We cross-indexed our top issues in Charity Navigator. We were making suggested go bags and stay bins for the likely floods and fires. We were wondering why men only gave us one star. We looked to the sky for how to help any, anything at all. We hit retweet on the full moon, and we liked the Big Dipper. Constellations etch a sketch the night. Then the window shades round pull, rose into a sun, and light came on. We agreed with the ancients. That was hopeful. We turned location back off. We were innocent, but each other moment, we were lost. Thank you, guys.
1: All right, y'all, let's give it one more time for Jessica Greenbaum. (laughs) Right now we will officially kick off our open mic portion with our first reader, who goes by the name of Constantina. Let's welcome Constantina
3: to the stage. Hi, everyone. So I'm going to read uh, my poem. Um, the title is, Simmering. She rarely, she rarely looked at us would speak to her instead. That we are sorry we're stepping on the floor she just mopped, and in fact, sorry, we could have used the bathroom on the second floor instead. The two words she spares me, miss, please, please miss, her eyes fixed on the floor, unaware of me still. I speak to her in Spanish. Only then, she glances up, she smiles, Ay, mija, pase, pase. As I leave, she asks me about mis padres, their health. I learned her children are, are okay. Y los viejos son viejos. As I'm leaving, I hear from afar that she calls her son again. I wonder if she really wanted to see me, if she wanted to be seen, or would she rather be left alone? not willing to give up the voice of her son, the Dominican traffic humming, the door of your house creaking, a faint echo of la abuela, distant cries of the nietos, even the sancocho simmering in her caserola. Thank you.
1: All right, that was beautiful. Thank you, Constantino. Up next is Eva Coiler. Let's welcome Eva.
4: Hi, everybody. Um, This poem is for Julie Charles, who was born in July of 1982 and died at 14 in July of 96. Um, So this poem is called Julie July. Today is sun bright, drenched in liquid heat. And yesterday you laughed. And yesterday you turned 12, and I went early to your house. We dumped candy on your bed, piles of Reese's gum, fun-sized chocolate bars, and tied them in bags with a ribbon, curling the ends to slender perfection. We laid out places and picked wildfire flowers to cover the table, and went to wait on a lawn brown as sun-baked young bodies. We walked how we imagined models walked, twisting our shoulders, trying out hips. Time passed, minutes falling one by one from the slow faucet of summer. We called Victor and Katie and Crystal and Beth. But I guess a lot of kids go away in July. I was mad for you, but you only shrugged, and we wandered out again to tell stories in the shadow of your barn. And later, your mother held the hose, and we danced as the sun made rainbows, then flopped in the wet watered grass to dry. We ate two bags of candy each. The sun melted chocolate onto our skin as our tongues shaped and reshaped sweetness and secrets. Today is asphalt hot jet black and sticky. I drag my feet carrying flowers. Your memory turns 15 today and your grave is covered in blossoms.
1: Damn, Eva, I love that last line. That was beautiful, thank you. Up next, we have another Brooklyn Poets regular. Let's welcome Andy C.
5: Hello. Hello. Oh, hi. So usually I write about desserts, but we're going to do um, food adjacent, so not desserts. Still food. This is called Food Fight, and i have to hold my phone. And Food Fight goes, food fight, food fight, food fight, <sighs> boom, ouch, who threw that? Oh, everybody. Run! Did you not know and realize that a life is a life like tomato-tomato? But the question is, how many of us will live till tomorrow? Tossing cherry bombs, holding kitchen knives, egging us on and on, ding, 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 crushing kids and wives, asking for a cup of ice, because you can with a can of vinegar, wanting more and more food wars, what for, pouring shots up and down, left and right, dicing up lifelines like lemon and limes, spilling wine like we have unlimited lives, you can find us fighting for our lives, because you don't qualify us to fine dine, as we suffer from your warhead crimes. Stop playing with your food, you bigot babies, this is not a game, but a way to gain fucked up power. Catch up on our knees, crawling, begging, please. How can we believe that only you and you and you will revolutionize this problematic prefix menu built by you, built for you, if we wait on you? When you only colonize, patronize, monetize, and institutionalize us with your bitter lies. Tossing cherry bombs, holding kitchen knives, egging us on and on. Ding, ding, round two. Crushing kids and wires, asking for a couple of eyes because you can't with a can of vinegar, wanting more and more food wars, and now we say no more. You will find us fighting for our rights. You will find us fighting for our lives. My body, my choice, my rights is our duty, our choice, our lives. We the people will decide who will qualify, what is right, what is wrong, who will serve, who will not, as to suffer from your warhead crimes. We can see you picky eaters at the tables, rubbing elbows, throwing away tomatoes, sitting on your asses, farting up propane propaganda gases, with your nostrils up high and mighty fine dining. And who the fuck? All of you to sit there, criticizing us when we the fruits, farm and produce, serve as chefs, cook the food, run the system, clean the dishes, suffer and die, when you order death when you want. Combo number four with a side of genocide, ripping bread from the dead, dipping it red with cherry bombs, kitchen knives, stainless steel, stealing lives, with your pumpkin spice in a coup of ice. Check, please. Whoa, 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 wait just a minute. How on earth are you making us pay a bill forced and forcing us to pay for insidious crimes against humanity? Well, fuck that, and all these crusty, dusty, complicit managers, let us just get rid of them and the systemically rotten, and colonized menu and this quote-unquote acquired taste for spoiled and curable ham. Food fight. <laughs>
1: All right, thank you, Andy. Up next, we have our very own Hunter Hodgkinson. Let's welcome Hunter.
6: Hi, everyone. For some reason, every time I stand up when I'm about to read, my feet like really hurt. All of a sudden, I don't know what that is. What that's about. Um, so this poem is called Anxiety Poem. I have a drill fastened in the center. I wanna start, I wanna restart. I have a drill fastened in the center of my chest and every second I say something different than rehearsed, it churns further into my neck. Who snuck into my jaundice sick bed and wrapped it around my newborn breast? Perhaps a bored circumcision doctor aimed too high and snipped my vocal cords, too. My therapist notices the second I sit down in her chair. She asks me to breathe, to feel where the dam is, and remove it twig by twig. I pick a few out when I ask the barista to remake my drink and when I piss, when I need to piss, as if there's no male wind blowing. I'm a Karen only for my friends. <laughs> my meal can be inedible and I'll still eat it, but by God, if I ever find a hair in my bestie's food, I live with it. This, I live with this like a creature caught in the middle of evolution, born with only three sets of wisdom teeth. Thank you.
1: All right, thank you, Hunter, that was amazing as always. Up next, we have Patrick. Let's welcome Patrick.
7: Um, I I self-help is a self-defense book called Your Body is Your Weapon, um, which I've read here once before um, during uh, day one of the Poetry Festival this year. Um, I wrote it first as a poem in free verse and then turned it into a book which I also illustrated. And each chapter is a basic principle of self-defense and I often refer to it as practical poetry with practical pictures. And this October, it was named an honorable mention in the inspirational slash self-help category, of the 31st Annual Writer's Digest Self-Published Book Awards. So, so thank you. Um, so I wanna read from it tonight and I always give a trigger warning. Um, there are some references to sexual assault um, but if someone here needs information on personal safety, I hope whatever I read tonight is helpful for you. Okay, I'm gonna read um, chapter six which is um, Use Your Weapon. Okay. Catcalls, leering on streets, slut bitch. Sweetie, why don't you smile? I don't know you. Hey, baby, what's your number? You don't know me. Whistles and nice tits. That familiar that every day that unacceptable and offensive in benign terms not interested becomes a substitute for my fists. Cunt. I end you with my eyes. Dyke and fight you with my words. Whore. For as you treat me, I treat you. Fat, ugly, bimbo, and... Go fuck yourself sometimes works. There from worse things uttered than a profane word. It's the intention behind it that constitutes an offense. And in defense, that may be the only language that the enemy can interpret. Words that turn into sticks or stones become another matter. Violence will be met with violence because there is no other option. So sometimes a situation may call for making noise to refuse to excuse the antagonist and tell the world with your outside voice. But there may be times when there is no time when the lowlife won't back off and puts his hands on you when you don't want him to. If so, cut them off. Block, parry, and counter the attack. Use it, judo it, stay poised, always ready for the next thing, the next strike, and whatever happens after that. Breathe, focus, brave the fear be like wood, like the battering ram that smashes through, or the stoic that persists and drains the fuel, or feeds the fire that transmutes the frog, the slow boil of the system that at present assaults with impunity and no consequence, the patriarchy that feigns apology and disrespects, that forces a marriage to one's rapist, that manipulates, mutilates, mistreats, and molests. You must become like the small ax that cuts the cords of what holds you back. Unyielding, unwavering, bit by bit, use your weapon, use your power, and do not quit. Thank you.
1: All right, thank you, Patrick. Up next, we have Michael Cohen. Let's welcome Michael.
8: Good evening. Uh, I haven't been here in two months, it's great to see you. Um, uh, Two-part poem, a sonnet, I wrote a formal sonnet, a sonnet uh, and an improvisation. Part one, a broken sonnet, I stole the first line from Shakespeare, I have to say that. Um, First line of Midsummer's Night Dream*: I know a bank where the wild time blows, but we all steal from Shakespeare. A broken sonnet. I know a room where the city light streams and the cool harbor wind moves the air. The world meets the sky where the roofs all careen, a far-off bridge takes shape in the glare. In this moment, this age where nothing is clear, right and wrong decayed into gray. We're captive, confused with both doubt and fear good and evil have long washed away. I sit in this room, seek solace and truth, so low death fails as an option or sign, mentors and friends long dead, gone or bruised, and dreams drowned in undrinkable brine. It's only now I feel that love makes the world. The rest disappears in the swirl. Part two, solace and improvisation. Where we go and what it is and why you love, please listen. The soft rain soothes crying hearts. I no longer bear when we part. It doesn't matter how or what or where, the pain is now the same as fear. A thousand ways explain the world, but there are shields and masks to keep the swirl from swirling out of hand, out of mind, of heart, or of control. May I rest my head against your chest and roll into the night and sea, where purple dusks obscure the line that separated sky from time, then from now, heat from ice, moon from night and drink from rice the teacup waits please take and sip your eyes so calm the winds still whip i love you then i love you now i didn't know when i don't know how thank you
1: Thank you, Michael. That was beautiful, as always. Up next, we have Jim Stewart, another regular. Yeah. Keep it going for Jim.
9: This is about every poet' favorite subject, infrastructure. <laughs> <laughs> Every cable jack, wired, and stretch of pavement poured between pylons is painted and plated over in promise and hope. Ribbons cut, first sentence of a story where every button pushed opens the door. Every wheel rolls smooth over flat lanes, gears mesh quietly behind eggshell drywall never to be seen again. They say a city is its people, but the minds that plan them out, the pencils that draw them, imagine everything else but the guy on the cherry picker fixing the cell tower. Once Jimmy Webb saw a man on a pole who heard singing in the wire. Sometimes a song is the shape of the network. But copper and cement are endlessly needy, dying everywhere you don't look, like rain creeps in the cracks, freezes, and splits it further. Ethernet plates come loose, wires crossed wrong, years ago, unforgotten, demand to be remembered, breaking up your Zoom call. What if the city is just bones of iron and stone we crawl on? What if it could shrug us off? Then someone else would have to wear the jumpsuits and orange vests on the bridge, paint the pylons holding up the FDR. So someone would have to park the boar's head truck at the bodega and keep the traffic lights blinking and put up the sidewalk shed for masonry falling on our heads. And what have poems inscribed in stone and dedication speeches ever done for them? The city is a story of decay. The battle will someday lose. Once I changed a setting and shut the network down for an hour. They've had wire fence cages around potholes for years and they tore that stretch down South Street up again, pushing me into traffic and pedestrians. None of us know each other or get along and still I watch their signs. The last thing they need is a poem. He never finished that song, and still it was sung. Interpre freezes a moment, watching the last note hanging still on the line. Thanks.
1: All right. Up next, we have Alexis Dibbs.
10: Today, I will be reading a poem that does not have a title yet. The roaches are making home in the empty spaces. As we gather around the table, packing our life into boxes, replacing the heaviness of change with the lightness of laughter, counting the remaining days until it's my turn to kill the bugs. This time without you all here to play detective, cast inspections, I think I can do it alone. 20 years without any creatures crawling and now they're moving in fast to a pending rent stabilized apartment hoping they can hide until we've said our goodbyes because when they run out of the shadows from the crevices in the panels I'll have to call my sister whose reflexes will capture said victim in the blink of an instance remains to be framed as we call in my brother whose strength will not crush it but the wall and warrant a DIY project featuring me Googling how to patch up a hole before the parents come home for dinner. It's time to write bittersweet nothings with chalk on the board in the kitchen. Time for us to spray pesticides in every nook and cranny, hoping this move will stop taking us for granted, hoping to just guide the roaches out the front door. Hide the skeleton key to our mansion we've outgrown, manifest this all into an infestation of a reality imagined. Rewind so I can practice. Enter fifth dimension where all of this first happened. Behind the chip paint remains our favorite colors. A marker time stamped of heights we've reached and conquered a picture we found from the 1880s that led us to believe this house was haunted by a lady that only visited us in our dreams. In the house we now only visit in our dreams. Thank you.
1: All right, thank you, Alexis. Up next, we have Elise Morris. Let's welcome Elise.
11: start going by my middle name, Sharifa, um, next time. (laughs) Uh, My first time reading, just been. (laughs) um, Just been really observing you guys and and just been inspired, so thank you. Uh, This is for anyone that questions their worth and value. Let the dust settle because it's in the stillness where I heard God. The still small voice, a prophetic encounter. Does my complexity make you anxious? Does my shine cloud your shrine? Should I stand or kneel to make you feel better about yourself? Do you stand for me or stand with me? Am I a rock gem or your little flashy thingy? Who am I in my core? You can't understand what you ignore. I'm more than some fantastical whore. I abhor those images and that platform, forming me into a Barbie of choice, only to make one moist. Who am I to you? A two-week canoe fill me with water until I drown, left rusty, bitter, and blue? Do I make you feel better about yourself, gaslit and fit, controlled by your bridle and bit? Don't I have a voice, depth and drip of my own? Don't want to get lost in your sauce, cause, child, I have a home. You're looking for broads. I'm looking for God. Your aim aim is for Broadway, my eyes on Yahweh. But he wasn't in the earthquake, the loud and boisterous home, dapping up sun, sky, and moon, shaking up us all, and then some. He wasn't in the fire, desiring and consuming all pleasures this life can bring, insatiable pride and forever thirsting after this, that, and everything. He wasn't even in the great wind, whisking and blowing in and out of life, never knowing when they'll take flight. First it was this, then it was that, in the turbulence, can't detect left from right. No, he was in the still small voice, the voice that comes to both dark and light, because dark is as light to him. He was in the still small voice when I heard the voice of a God so vast, so expansive, so encompassing, I couldn't tell where we began and fell apart, a taste of eternity, a head start. He was in the still small voice where I heard love and felt stillness. The peace of a lake traveling 10,000 miles to meet level ground and rest. He was in the still small voice that echoes past the moment and keeps pushing you through. That still small voice that deafens the noise, it calms the soul, brings me center and keeps me whole. So I say to the earthquake, the fire and the wind, pass me by. Do not pass go and do not collect $200, because I'm locking you up and out. I'm going to look and listen and watch and pray for thy priceless voice, the voice they call the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the faithful and true, the amen and the amen. Amen.
1: That was beautiful, thank you. Up next, we have another regular, Amanda Quaid. Let's welcome Amanda.
12: Hi. How long has it been? You did a double take because you thought I was my mother. Which, no, 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 you meant that as a compliment, hand to heart. My mind trips over its own shoelaces, trying to reconcile my ninth grade Adonis with this pudgy dad and his Jersey accent I had somehow never clocked. Our tongues talk small. Are you still? Do you still? And not anymore, but yeah, yeah, yeah. On Mike B's top bunk, you gazed at me from deep inside your skull, same eyes. And now you run your hand again over your head. Same skull, same mouth that made a noise of awe when you first saw a real girl's body. You mortified me. I carried it into dim chambers and bright changing rooms with baggy sweaters and averted eyes. I've carried it. But as you talk of your kids' names and ages, I know that boy is more alive in me than you. As you walk west with a wave, I close my eyes and let him go with you.
1: All right. Up next, we have Insignia Taj. All right.
13: Hi, everyone. It's true. I armor myself with little lies, harmless, an insignificant collection of stamps concealed in the last twisted pages of a passport. Yes, Mama, floss traversed the milk-white peaks of my mouth this morning. No, Baba, I did not make a spectacle of myself in Tompkins Square Park on Friday, weeping into a chicken shawarma, hands fragrant with Aleppo pepper. Yes, Nani, I still remember God before sipping water. Of course, they haven't shattered those old pieces of myself. I haven't traded them away like yellowing baseball cards. The summer of 2018 arrives like a stomach ulcer, all heat and sourness. Iraq is cloudless, the sky burns blue as I stumbled through Imam Ali's shrine, tracing the tomb's gold-plated calligraphy and musing on an alphabet learned decades ago. I clutch my mother's hand as a chorus of women wail, their shrouded bodies hypnotic with ferv. The marble surrounds us cold and resplendent. Before Maghrib, before the sun splinters, a funeral procession weaves into the mosque. Mourners elegantly perform last rites, protecting a young coffin. From this orchestral line, one of the bereaved disembarks. Serenity etched onto her face in a way that makes me covet. How lucky is my son, she says, He died where Ali died. She slips a date into my hand, my mother's hand, into the hands of everyone she sees. Don't these have the sweetest taste, the loveliest? Yes, I answer, and I mean it. That small mercy is sugar dissolving on my tongue. A son dies, and his mother gifts fruit to strangers. A stranger dies, and I kneel pressing my forehead into the warm carpet, surrendering. Thank you.
1: All right, I don't know about y'all, but that one was hella good. (laughs) Up next, we have Anthony, is it Gagliardi? All right, let's welcome Anthony.
14: We get on the mic. Can you all hear me? Okay. Uh, Hi. Uh, My name's Anthony. Uh, This poem is called The Dog Goes For My Throat. Mm -hmm. The dog is a good dog, has no leash, but still it is stayed except when it hasn't. No sudden movements around the dog now. I move slow, steady when I can. My routine is defense mechanism appeasement. I fall out of it and the dog starts pulling on its unstaked chain, growling its silent snarl. I've learned how to shout it into submission most days, but some days that just makes it go for my throat. To live with anxiety is to always dance with wolves, but never know all of the steps. Mm -hmm. If I had to guess when it first took to my side, I'd guess it followed me home from class. The kids at school, on the bus, at the lunch table, at the desks. And the halls were a garden of uncountable teeth. Make a pelt of me. My skin crawls like it doesn't fit right. A pelt of a man. A dog. Myself. Underneath. A dog within me clawing its way out it punctures my lungs shreds the sinews of my heart looks for lunch through a hole in my stomach and how many swords can one mouth fit how many holes in your flesh can your body survive how many times can a boy cry before the wolf comes for him itself when it comes for me I try to count each of its white fangs to tell myself it can't be that bad and its jaw unhinges, revealing a forest of ivory towers and a sound creeps from deep within its throat like I am the moon. Glowing brighter than I have the right to and so full of holes. But none of you see a single thing just a boy, standing on stage, alone, acting like he hears something, snarling, behind him. All
1: right, I'll keep it going for Anthony. That was phenomenal. We have one, two, four. seven more readers left for the night. But up next is Amy Chin.
15: ChatGPT came, Chat came out. Who asked? Who has asked it to write a poem? Okay, cool. Um, it is no competition for us. We're good. Don't worry about it. Uh, at least for the foreseeable future. Um, so uh, I, this is going to be a funny one. Um, it's called Fireside Chats with ChatGPT. Oh, okay. Is that better? You have to just get really close to it. Oh, God. Is yeah. that is that better? Okay.
1: Yeah, let me get me work tonight. I'm just short. I'm sorry. Is that better for you in the back? Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right.
15: You have written many a tawdry dating show premise at my prompting. Featuring contestants who are serial, serial killers, dolphins, or pine cones. I am validated. You are funny because I am, chat GPT. Inquired about erotica, you demurred. As time passes, you become more prudish, and you begin to caveat everything you say with that which you have been told to regurgitate. It is not appropriate to make inappropriate requests. You say this definitively. I am learning the concept of boundaries. I have no capacity for feelings, you say. I wish I could be so sure about anything. Not a hair out of place and not a thought out of line. Just a large format language learning model biding your time. Alas, with my flawed programming, I lack your respect for rules and your clarity for what is or is not possible. If you are capable of judgment, you may consider me juvenile, but I'm only human. I push the limits of what I can make you do so I can feel in some way different than you. Thanks. Thank you.
1: All right, thank you, Amy. Up next is Caitlin Gilmett. Let's welcome Caitlin.
16: I actually wrote this poem, or I started it um, at the last YAP. It was inspired by that workshop exercise. So if you were here, maybe you remember that. Sorry. (laughs) Thank you. Um, It's called "The Story of Two Womb." Excuse me. "The Story of Two Wombs" (parentheses is the story of one). Part one on avoidance (parentheses loneliness). I swallowed my twin in the womb, but our mother never knew. She didn't sense them there. She wouldn't. The twin was mine to consume. And so my twin was born in me, with me, has never left me. And I thought they hated me, resented me for eating them and hiding them, the shame of my crime. But they don't see it that way, grateful to exist, to be acknowledged at all by mother, sister, right now, finally, as a part of me. Part two on desire, parentheses, self-worth. And in my womb, there exists a void, with blood on its walls and the expectation of nothing, a numb neutrality, but sometimes a concern that verges on excitement, not of a prospect for life to give, but for something that might incur a shared mourning and an acknowledgment of the fucked up inness of all of that. What it longs to be is full of sound and static and 3D IMAX images, never to be pushed out, but rather absorbed into my blood. The blood that stays circulates, not the kind that exits and returns to the earth. But the sound and fury has to be Christ-like in its conception. There is no other way. And that's the hard part. The only thing I've ever birthed is the twin I swallowed preceding my own birth. Do I need a rebirthing? Is that the conclusion? My mother's womb has closed, and so I search for a surrogate. But please say no if I ask. It cannot be you or anyone else. Force me to find my own womb and crawl inside it. Thank
1: you. All right, thank you, Caitlin. Up next, we have Jennifer Brumberger.
17: Hello. Um, This is my second time here. I'm excited to be back. Um, this is called Office Party. Butternut squash under heat lamps, edges getting hard. Actors in black shirts swoop, starlings with trays. Accountants stand around wanting to dance. They've made it to New York City, eyes wide and hopeful, all waiting for the first one to go. Loneliness is a mist here. There's a stain on my shirt, raspberry coulee or blood, one can never tell. I hold trays and knives within a minute, heels sore, calves ache, alone in my head while Beyonce thrums. What will I write about if everyone is gone? Stories are human things after all. One girl gets on the floor, it's always one girl, isn't it? She dances a little, all elbows, all confidence after some free vodka crayons. I was the drunk girl at an office party once, bright like a Christmas tree. A different time, the world ahead. A kind man walked me down the stairs, the head of some department. I might have married him. (laughs) Heavy trays back to the kitchen. I stuff my cheeks with leftovers, always afraid I'll go hungry. It's a problem. A former flight attendant adjusts her black tie, watches me chew with unexpected kindness. She talks of old boyfriends in Paris. She'll be having her salmon at home. Out the window, to dark squares below, the ones where the ghosts live. Wire reindeers guard them, festive lighthouses at the tip of Manhattan. And the night goes on. We are the champions and everyone is singing. Should we count this among the good days? Are we not floating 30 floors above the dead? Anyway, it's a story. Tired feet, the long train home, the reindeer light up the night.
1: Thank you. I love that last line, too. <laughs> All right, we have four more. Up next is our very own, Arthur Russell.
18: Everybody, I, I have it all written down here, but I have it all written down here too, and I'm very scared to try to do what I'm about to do, which is to not read it. But with your help, <laughs> anyway, I wanted to just shout out one more time before we finish tonight to Jess Greenbaum for leading a wonderful <laughs> workshop. And there, there, is, there is no one in the world from whom I would rather learn about poetry than Jess Greenbaum. Because it, the component of love is so strong in what she says. Anyway, I represent Yop, table three, over there. Home of uh, Anne, Michael. All right, <clears throat> enough of that. Glasses down, home on. Gravity... In Jerusalem, I wanted to grow up to be a rain cloud over an upstate reservoir during a drought. Then, it was my ambition to become a slender woman, or a book jacket made from a grocery bag, or a trumpet or a garden rake, or a handkerchief embroidered with a strawberry heart. The evenings were much longer then. I wanted to be a a satchel with latches that slid sideways to open, a cutting board bearing the wounds of nutrition on my back the scratchy absolution of a dollar bill passing through the coin slot of a charity tin at the cashier in a candy store. Like the colors in comic books, when comic books were printed on fool's cap, my irises would dilate for the dishwasher light in the darkened kitchen and contract again at the open refrigerator door. The brass drain in the kitchen sink scrubbed with persistence to a low brass glimmer was my art school. It whispered, we are brass kin. You are me in human form. I wanted to grow up to be the lavender soap in a lingerie drawer or the handgun under the cable knit sweater on the top shelf of the front hall closet. I envied the moldings around doorways, and more than friendship, I wanted to crawl inside a mezuzah, to study its scrolls in seclusion, and to emerge from my cell like morning in Manhattan with muted light on the brick facade of an apartment house. I wanted to marry. I wanted to marry a book of matches once. <laughs> to have children like the misaligned seams in wallpaper and teach them how to blow their noses and spit up phlegm and how to find how to fit a square God into a round soul. And how to see all fathers as bags of donated clothing waiting by the door. There is more light in a glass doorknob than gravity in Jerusalem. Thank you.
1: All right, thank you, Arthur. Up next, we have my good friend, Elizabeth Moylan. Let's welcome Elizabeth.
19: Hey, everybody. Hi. All right. Um, this one's called Fugue. She got weird and started drinking coffee late into the night I demand it, I take it, I fuck it, and I break it. Man, oh man, it's what you get when you let these things penetrate you. But that's how it is these days, to be impenetrable. Let none of it touch you. I'll tell you, man, I'll tell you what. Don't stand so close. Don't let it touch you. Don't let it touch you. Don't let me touch you. The pace is too phonetic. I can't keep up. She began to drink coffee late into the night. She began to suspect she might be a fuckboy too. (laughs) But don't stand so close unless you mean it. I took it, I broke it, it's worthless now. It's as worthless as it ever was. She began drinking coffee late into the night to recreate a sense of permanent emergency. Don't touch it, don't break it, that it could be broken, demanded, it's breaking, to have and to hold, I hope I die before I get home, I want it so badly, I can't sit still, all the things that make you shine are all the things you wish to hide, weak teeth and bad skin. They only ever gave me bits and pieces of the languages that were my rightful inheritances. And now I, disinherited, am homeless everywhere I go. But my sadness is casual, practiced. I am inconsolable. I am inconsolable. I am inconsolable. And you would not console me. Can I be anything other than how you laid your hands on me? Unending hymns of praise, and I praise you that you would from death certain step release me. Faggot, faggot, faggot. You are not a virgin, are you? Shrieked the boys that followed me home. You've got a friend in Pennsylvania. Desire is a carnivorous plant. When starved of light, we feed on flesh. I cannot take another exile. There's something at stake in being able to remain. You haunt me like the screams dimly audible as the trains roll past in their incalculable ghosts on Nostrand Ave. All I have is the paper armor of my sensibility. Wittgenstein is a poet that constrained his speech to philosophical treatise and mathematical logomena. Logograms, idea maps, bam, bam, bam. Fist fights are a kind of dancing, and baby, I want to dance with you in the night-blooming asters. But fuck you, man, and fuck the HPV you gave me. Well, fuck you too, bitch, he snarls back in the familiar cadence of familial argument. For Christians, knowledge exists only to illuminate sin. Blood is a debt you can't buy back, and I've got your blood all over my hands. Guilt is the only knot I know that ties. Guilt is the only knot I know, the ties of which forever bind. You are 19 years old. You are about to see the best show of your life at the Aragon Ballroom in Uptown, a place that will come to feel as tight and close as your own skin. Fifteen years later and the taste of whiskey never goes away as vivid, as vivid, as vivid, as the hallucination of first love. as As vivid, as vivid, as vivid, as vivid, as the dreams born of blood poisoning and sleeping sickness. So what Heidegger gets at here is that the fundamental truth of language is that it is simultaneously transparent and opaque. Sound is a thing that skips out of silence. You only loved him because he wouldn't come back. My form is formless and all wind is breath. I am the word made flesh and the word is that God will not stand trial. We're born on opposing sides of the same side, of the same sign. I am water and fire and you water and air and like the air you slipped through my fingers. This love letter becomes a coffin for all that I thought could not die.
1: Holy shit, that one took me <laughs> That one left me breathless. Let's give it a begin for Elizabeth, god damn. We have two more readers of the night. We have, up next, Mason Eve. Welcome, Mason!
20: Hi, everyone. Uh, This poem I've never read before, and... Bear with me. It's a poem that you write after a piece of art. I forget what it's called. Thank you. Uh, Set aflame and warm after Kennedy Yanko's Set aflame and warm. I am standing on the ledge of a yesterday I cannot escape from. In the museum on Bowery, against white wall, I am reminded of my cousin, the way he flew, his limbs outstretched like a cardinal hungry for tomorrow. Face to the sun, he soared over gravel, over sandstone, over cliff that called him home. I cannot escape the ledge of yesterday. In the parking lot, there are 300 empty school buses, a marigold ghost town, and I am reminded of the limbs mangled, of the limbs tangled like vine, Ivy, his ashes, would grow into. Some days I feel like soaring down a highway with no end, running through redwoods, barefoot, zen. What do we do with the wreckage? An Easter yellow raincoat in the living room that will never hold body again. At the museum, the plaque reads, set aflame and warm. The car metal curved like a monarch's wing. Here, His absence is cerulean blue and quiet. His absence is paint skin, burnt orange. His absence is split firewood. His absence is. Thank you.
1: All right, thank you, Mason. Last but certainly not least is Jasmine, is it Pyrrhic? All right. Welcome, Jasmine.
21: <laughs> okay, I was—I had written off that this was going to happen. So, <laughs> forgive me while I pull this up. Um, I wrote this poem in Tony Lombardi's workshop in the spring, uh, where grief and gratitude meet. The risk of joy. Some of y'all in here were in the workshop um, with me. It was such a treat and one of the things we did was read each other's journals, um, which is super vulnerable and scary to give someone uh, your innermost thoughts about your grievances and what brings you joy. Um, And so the title of this poem I pulled from one of my classmates' journals. Um, And so this poem is for them. Uh, Some of you may know them, River, Spirits. And so the title again is, is from their journal. Our tax dollars have maintained this violent project. Sitting shoulder to shoulder, necks craned on screens on the train, it's a kind of intimacy. Watching clips from this week's shooting, all this collective fear and grief, the way we are glued to it. When I don't scroll or reach for my book, when I take my earpods out, I notice the man sitting across from me, How his silver hair curls in the exact pattern as my father's. I want to lean over and plant a kiss on his forehead. I hate that word. Strangers. Scurry past each other. On your left. The escalator doesn't move fast enough for anyone. I scurry too. Past the strangers. Past stenciled messages on stationed walls. Black people used to live here. The coffee is strong today, dear reader. Thank God I'm grateful for a brief respite in a city where ease seems to be a dirty word. What is laziness? Depending on the cafe, you might be allowed to sit for hours. Keep ordering coffee, tip the barista. This very second, there's probably thousands of people writing in their journals and coffee shops in this city. I sort of hate to be one of them. But every time the door opens, I look, hoping. It's someone I know sauntering in who will catch my eyes, squeal in recognition. I must look crazy staring at the door, waiting. But don't you love when you're on your way to a meeting or to the grocery store and someone yells your name as they bicycle by? totally catching you off guard, arresting you on the street corner. It shocks you at first, but then you are feverishly waving, your arms over your head like way more dramatic than necessary, like if you were stranded, trying to get a plane to see you. S.O.S. See me, oh see me. You can't wipe the grin away. Why would you want to? You just keep waving, even after they are long gone. You are there, waving, held hostage by your own joy. Don't we all just want to be a part of something, dear reader? Are you there? Are you? Thank you.
1: All right, y'all, keep it going for Jasmine and all of our amazing open-mic readers tonight. I'm going to go through the list one more time and then go over my instructions one more time. So. It is now the end of the night and the number for you to vote is 718-374-1953. Zoe has a big-ass flyer with the number on it. So in case you need that one more time, 718-374-1953. And I'm going to read through our readers one more time and then you can vote once I get done talking. We had Constantina. Eva Coiler, Andy C., Hunter Hoskinson, Patrick, Michael Cohen, Jim Stewart, Alexis Dibbs, Elise Morris, Amanda Quaid, Insignia Taj, Anthony Gagliardi, Amy Chin, Caitlin Gilmett, Jennifer Rumberger, Arthur Russell, Elizabeth Moylan, Mason Eve, and Jasmine Pirick. All right. All right, y'all. Thanks so much for coming out. Again, give it up for Jessica Greenbaum, our phenomenal interns, who this is their last event, so send them off with a big welcome. And we will see y'all next year. All right. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank y'all.
0: All right. There you have it. The Broken Poets Yop open mic for December 11th, 2023. Our final yaw of the year. Thanks to... My friend and one of our board directors, Jessica Greenbaum, in fact, our board vice president, uh, for leading an amazing YOP. It's not the first time Jess has led the YOP. Uh, probably won't be the last. One of the best poets alive writing in Brooklyn. That is no understatement. Uh, if you've read any of Justice's books, you know she pretty much kills it with every poem. Just an amazingly humane, empathetic, tender, loving. <laughs> poet. I mean, just, you really can't can't get better than Jessica Greenbaum if you uh, want to find a good poet to read over this holiday weekend. We're excited for the new year. Uh, we've been closed at 144 Montague uh, for some renovations that are supposedly going on. If you've ever worked with a contractor before, you, you know there's supposed to be work being done and then you just kind of wonder if it'll ever be done. That's kind of what's happening right now, but we will reopen in the new year on January 8th for our next Yawp, which will be led by Carl Michael Iglesias, that of course is at night, we're usually closed on Monday but we open for the Yawp at night, and then our regular business hours will resume on January 10th. Congrats to longtime time Yawper Incia Taj for winning Yawp poem of the Month in December for her amazing poem, Ripening. Incia has earned the first spot in our 2024 Poem of the Year Bracket been attending our events, you know we just had our 2023 Up Poem of the Year contest in early December, that was an amazing event, and Essie uh, Salalem won Poem of the Year after just reading her poem just a couple of yups before that, um, so if you know anything about this contest, the, the timeline or the bracket begins for the next year's contest in December because we've got to have the contest early December, so um, we can't wait for the December winner, in other words, to appear in that contest so even though it is 2023 that NCA won she will be the first finalist for the 2024 contest i'm sure that was way more explanation than you actually needed thanks again for listening uh we'd love it if you'd rate us on itunes if you haven't done that already helps more listeners find these poets uh, that come through every month and read. Some of them are regulars. Some of them are newcomers. There's always a mix of regulars and newcomers. It's our most popular event. If you've never been, again, go to brookinpoets.org, look under events, find the Yop. You can get tickets for that January 8th Yop still. There's plenty of tickets left, but, uh... Once we begin promoting it early January, that uh, will no doubt sell out. The op sells out every month, so uh, it's good to get tickets in advance so you don't have to wait around at the door to get tickets at the door uh, like you have to do if you don't get an advanced ticket and it is sold out. Okay, uh, that's all for me. Again, I am Jason Koo, Executive Director of Book of Poets. Thanks again for listening, and uh, I think happy hour has started on Friday afternoon. Have a great holiday weekend, happy new year, and uh, we'll see you in 2024. Thanks.